Freedom Hut. The great blame game of 2020. D.C. Mayor Bowser's worried about a race war. The red mirage scenario for the election. The 6% COVID number. And Joe Biden tries to use his words. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, everybody, to the Buck Sexton Show. Honor and a privilege to have you here with me, as always. And they're doing everything they can. We knew they would. But the Democrats are throwing everything they've got at the wall, seeing what sticks. It's Trump's fault that there's rioting. Trump wants the rioting. Trump didn't do enough to stop the rioting. Trump lies. There is no rioting. (laughs) Depending on what the day is, what the time of day is, and who the uh, Democrat politician or uh, or a member of the media may be, you get an entirely different, entirely different story. It's hard to think of a greater point of of obvious dishonesty. I mean, they're lying in a way that I don't believe it's possible they're doing it and think they're being clever. They're doing it because they're delusional and they have convinced themselves to believe whatever they whatever they have to. Right. Meaning that they don't actually think this is or rather they may think this is true, but there's no connection to reality. There's no connection to reality whatsoever. They tell you what they have to tell you in the moment to advance the political football downfield. They'll believe whatever they have to believe in the moment they have to believe it. It's almost like a psychological disconnect. It's hard to believe how this is really possible. It's hard to see how anyone could do this. But no, I don't think they're being clever. I think that they actually have convinced themselves of this insanity, that that is that is where we are. And then that brings me to uh, there's there's a series of of uh, tweets and responses and things that have been said about all of this uh, that we should we should all focus on for a moment, just because they have no respect whatsoever for the intelligence of the American people. They don't care how absurd it is. They don't care how reckless the statements may be. They are absolutely devoted to the great blame shift of 2020. They set up these riots. They created the atmosphere. They supported them. They were in favor of them. They liked them. They justified them. All about all, all this stuff. And now they're they're acting like none of that happened. Like you didn't see all of that. They weren't hiding it, folks. Right. BLM was running corporate America for a while. BLM was uh, the the thing that you had to sign on for or else you risk your career, your reputation. They were going to tell you that you were a racist, a bad person. So you, you have to accept BLM's mandate or else. That's where we were. Now you have the mainstream media to libs in a panic with Biden presenting himself as a law and order candidate while the media is out there. It's kind of a good cop, bad cop thing. Isn't that ironic where Biden gets to be the bad cop to his base and say, well, violence is bad, which for the Democrat base is very upsetting to hear. And then you have others out there who are telling the base, oh, no, don't worry. It's really Donald Trump's fault. It's not your fault. 
my sweet, innocent, innocent little children of the Democrat Party. It's not your fault. Don't worry about it. Joy Reid, perhaps most famous as a, a host at, has her own show, folks, at MSNBC, most famous for claiming, and I'm being serious, for claiming that she had hackers go into her 10-year-old blog posts and change what she had blogged about so that it seemed like she said things that today would be considered homophobic and, and actually homophobic. So no one really believes that. But she said that it was what uh, was necessary for it was necessary for her to reach out to the FBI and that the FBI was going to start an investigation. Of her 10 year old blog posts that apparently involved hackers with a time machine to go back and change them without anybody noticing. And that's how much they want to take her down. It, it was so stupid and so it was so petty and silly and juvenile. MSNBC, I'm not kidding, after that whole thing, promoted her and gave her her own show during the week. She said last night on her show, The Read Out, if Trump wanted to end the violence in American cities, he could simply go on his Twitter feed and tell his supporters to go home. Trump is openly doing the opposite, encouraging more violence. Oh, so it's Trump who is the problem. He's the reason that there is violence in cities that has been going on for four months now. The Democrats were saying this. These are the new freedom riders. This is the new civil rights movement. This is the new. That's what they were talking about when they talked about BLM. This is. Standing up for social justice. No, it's not. It's an evil Marxist movement that has made everything worse for everyone, as I have been saying for quite some time. And I'm happy to see the president actually came out and and agreed on that point. And and then there's also. Oh, wait, but back to back to Joy Reid for a second. I really think that her take on this may be the dumbest one yet on the riots, which is almost impressive. I mean, you have to really put in the work to sound that stupid. Uh, but that's what Democrats have been subjected to now. That's what they're left with. What, what else are they going to say? How are they going to explain this? Remember, the, the, the voters who are, who are locked in for Democrats and always will be, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what, I mean, Joe Biden could, and I mean this, could walk out on, straight, on stage, you know, buck naked and start muttering gibberish, and they would say, there's the next commander in chief, much better than Trump. It doesn't matter. That's a big part of the Democrat electorate. That's a big portion of who's going to be voting this fall. But the people that are actually listening and still being convinced either to go out and vote one way or the other or just to vote at all. Right. So it's a turnout issue. It's an independent issue. They see what the Democrats are doing and they've got to think these people are nuts. And that's what's happening. That's what we see. Biden is out there pretending this is so desperate. It's pathetic. He's out there pretending that the rioting, the lawlessness is Trump's fault and somehow tied to the Trump movement. Play 10. Fires are burning and we have a president who fans the flames rather than fighting the flames. But we must not burn. We have to build. This president 
long ago forfeited any moral leadership in this country. He can't stop the violence because for years he's fomented it. You know, he may believe mouthing the words law and order makes him strong, but his failure to call on his own supporters to stop acting as an armed militia in this country shows how weak he is. Oh, the real problem with the violence is the armed militia. That's the that's the news story, too. Not the destruction of property, the murder of somebody, not a self-defense claim from what we've seen so far, straight up murder of somebody in Portland by Antifa, a guy who described himself as 100 percent Antifa and had a BLM tattoo on his neck. And again, not kidding. That's who's committing murders in Portland. People in the name of BLM will kill their fellow human beings of BLM tattooed on their neck. But Biden is claiming that Trump is the problem here. The fires are burning. That's correct, Joe Biden. Your supporters are setting them. And for months, you had nothing to say about it because you're a coward and a buffoon. Now, Democrats want to pretend that this is not something we've all seen, that we don't know. I just want you to want you to make note of this for yourselves, uh, because we've been if you're a Trump supporter, uh, we've been for years browbeaten by people who think that they're so sophisticated and so truthful because of their politics. And now you see that they are reduced to this pathetic uh, intellectual groveling. In order to try to get Biden elected to the presidency, they'll do and say anything. They will debase their own intellect. The Democrats will pretend to be total morons. A lot of them are really dumb, but obviously there's a lot of smart Democrats, too. They will pretend to be morons who don't recognize exactly what has happened since May because of Biden voters, because of Democrats across the country. That's their only option. Otherwise, what are they going to do? They think they're going to win a debate on who's really responsible for this? Do you think they're going to prove that all along the people that have been ardent anti-Trumpers screaming about how much they hate Trump in the streets, it was all a big false flag? Is that, that may be the next phase. You've already seen some efforts at that, that it's really white nationalists burning down Minneapolis, for example. I mean, there are some white people who were rioting in Minneapolis, for sure, but there are also a lot of not white people who are riding in Minneapolis. So I don't think calling them white nationalists when people are walking around saying that they're Antifa and BLM makes any sense at all, does it? They'll say whatever they have to say. They'll take whatever pathetic position is most advantageous. Even Joe Biden now w- will pretend, oh, that he's the law and order guy. He's the honest, the honest broker in all this. He, he's going to make you safe at night. Play 11 job of a president is to tell it straight from the shoulder, tell the truth, to be candid, to face facts, to lead, not to incite. That's why I'm speaking to you today. The incumbent president is incapable of telling us the truth, the senseless violence of looting and burning and destruction of property. I want to make it absolutely clear, something very clear about all of this. Rioting is not protesting. Looting is not protesting. Setting fires is not protesting. None of this is protesting. It's lawlessness, plain and simple. And those who do it should be prosecuted. Oh, now he believes the laws should count. Now Joe Biden thinks that there should be prosecutions of protesters. Democrat 
attorneys uh, general for states and, and Democrat district attorneys, they were unwilling to, to prosecute protesters and looters. The federal government had to step in. Who was it that was tearing down all the monuments? Who was it that was destroying so much uh, public federal property, you know, writing F the cops and all cops must die? W- were those Trump supporters? No, not a single person with a, a three brain cell count would ever believe that. Not a single person who has the IQ above a rusty nail would think that that is accurate. But that's what they're saying. That, that's what the claim is. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And yet here we are. Continuing. <sighs> continuing to have to deal with the lies and the stupidity. And they don't, they don't have an alternative. They don't have an alternative. The only other option is to accept that they've made an enormous blunder. To be honest would be to to tell the American people that when it was in our favor as Democrats, we were willing to excuse the destruction of businesses in your neighborhood, the looting and also the vicious anti-cop rhetoric and on all that stuff about white privilege and white supremacy and all, all this really damaging and divisive talking points from Democrats that it really seemed like they weren't just trying to set businesses on fire. It felt to a lot of us like they were just trying to set America on fire because Trump was president and they thought they could get away with it and they were angry. That's really all this was. But it's not working. Now it's turned against them. So they're scrambling and they'll say anything and they're pathetic and immoral and destructive and insane. Just remember that as we get into the final stretch here, because all they really want, even though it's not going to make their lives better, even though it's not going to deal with all the societal ills. Remember, the BLM protests started under Obama. It's not all going to go away. But the only thing the Democrats can fixate on at this point is having power. They feel so much better if only they have power. And that's it. So let's deprive them of that, shall we? Do everything we can. It's in their best interests. We're teaching them a very important lesson. You try to burn down the country, Democrats, we don't let you run the country. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. So what kind of things do the protesters, the leaders of the protest movement in places like Kenosha, Wisconsin, say? What do they say in public? They know the cameras are on them. They know that people are going to hear this stuff. What is uh, their ethos? What rules are they operating under? Play clip three. It's us, it's our children, our women, and our family. And I got to say, God damn it, if you kill one of us, it's time for us to kill one of yours. I know everybody don't want to hear that. But damn, why we the ones got to keep burying us? If you kill one of ours, we're going to kill one of yours, he screams over a loudspeaker. Hmm. What is he talking about exactly? Who, who is he referring to? Well, at a minimum, he's talking about 
police and and killing cops. Now, the, the Democrats would have you believe that that's just rhetoric. It doesn't mean anything. They'll hope you don't remember the five police officers murdered by a BLM supporter in Dallas, Texas. They'll hope you don't remember the two NYPD officers executed while sitting quietly in their squad car here in New York City, Ramos and Lou. Hope you don't remember any of that. But they also have a problem with the news today because Chicago area police, according to Fox, are being warned by the FBI of a gang pact to shoot on sight any cop. Quote, we've been made aware of this threat by a law enforcement partner, a Chicago police spokesperson told Fox News on Tuesday. Chicago Police Department takes all threats against any officer safety seriously. The alert mentions around 36 gangs, including the Latin Kings and Vice Lords, and says members of these gang factions have been actively searching for and filming police officers in performance of their official duties. The purpose of which is to catch on film any officer drawing his or her weapon on any subject and the subsequent shoot on sight of said officer in order to garner national media attention. It's the main story on Fox News right now. So at a minimum, gangs are at least, look, this may be bluster when you're doing terrorism or, or gang analysis. There's a lot of, of threats that don't turn into anything. But there are clearly gangs who are walking around saying they want to kill cops right now, particularly at this point in time. Why is that? Hmm. Maybe it's because one of the two major political parties in this country has been on a jihad to convince people that police are murdering unarmed black men at a breathtaking pace. And we're supposed to think that that's just happening out of out of racism. This is what they tell people. This is what the narrative is. That narrative isn't just a lie. It is leading to people getting killed now. And it's going to lead to more people getting killed. Democrats have created a monster with this movement and they cannot control it. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Numbers where one company is giving hundreds of millions of dollars. When you say they're weak, what do you mean? Explain because that. they just do what's the easiest path. That's not the easy path. That's a very dangerous path. Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization. You remember pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. That was the first time I ever heard of Black Lives Matter. I said, that's a terrible name. It's so discriminatory. It's bad for black people. It's bad for everybody. And all of a sudden it becomes like sort of, although now if you look, it's going way down because people are tired of this stuff, what's going on, the Black Lives Matter. If you look at what's going on with the bats and the, the, a lot of thugs. Running through D.C. last night. Oh, it's terrible what's going on. Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization. The president says it's bad for black people. It's bad for everybody. Sounds like somebody you all know, or at least listen to on the radio. How long have I been saying Black Lives Matter has made everything worse for everyone? This movement has been only in terms of its effects of what it does, not what it purports, not what it pretends to do. The actual uh, the actual direct results of Black Lives Matter are terrible for everyone. Everyone is less safe, less safe. Everyone is more anxious. Everyone is more poor. That's the truth of the movement. That's the situation. So now we have to look at what they're going to say about it. Right? What, what is going to be the Democrat counterclaim in all of this? Well, for one thing, the Democrats are going to start saying that it's, of course, all Trump's fault. But what is Trump's fault? Because it's very it's tough to make it sound like the that this president in particular is anti law enforcement. What is Trump's fault? 
oh, now they're talking about this. You're hearing pundits and politicians and people in the public eye. They're talking about this as a race war issue. That's what they're saying. That, that Those are the words that are being used. Here is April Ryan on, on CNN. Play four. Let's call a thing a thing. This president, Donald John Trump, has instigated a race war in America. Portland, Oregon is ground zero. This president, Donald John Trump, has basically stoked the flames for racist extremists, neo-Nazis, and the alt-right. And they're even defending, this president is even defending Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old who went in Wisconsin and killed two protesters. So at the end of the day, the mayor of Portland is absolutely right. And there are those who are calling for help from this president in the stoking of a race war. There is a race war in America right now because of this president. This is someone on CNN, White House correspondent, I think for NPR or PBS or some other thing that no one really watches, who is telling you there's a race war underway right now in the country and it's Trump's fault. This is delusional and this is projection because the only people that are causing division between the races, the only people of any prominence or power who are pushing narratives that pull us apart and increase violence are Democrats. Trump saying let's enforce the law. He's the good guy here. This is what Democrats can't accept. It, it, it melts them at their core. They can't they can't even begin to accept the truth here, which is that Trump in this situation is, for anyone who is not completely insane, the good guy. They've now put themselves in a position where they've been backing and therefore really a part of the bad guy team. It's that straightforward. That's really what's happening. There's no justification for looting and rioting and destruction of public property. You know, I didn't even mention over the weekend uh, there was a, a piece in some liberal in a major liberal publication, I forget even which one, justifying looting. And there's apparently a whole book on it by some, you know, a scholar who's not very bright, but, you know, being a scholar doesn't really mean anything anymore. You don't have to know anything to be a scholar. You just have to be a left-wing activist. And then you can tack some junk PhD on your name and everyone has to pretend like you know something. But justifying, openly justifying looting as necessary throughout history to advance social progress. You know, this is these attacks on property. Get it done. They get a lot accomplished. This, again, is insane. This is madness. This does not make any sense. So as I continue to to see the narrative get rolled out here, as as I see what they're trying to do, uh, it's just (laughs) it's predictable. And yet it's it still makes you just want to throw something through a wall. No honesty at all. Let, let me understand this. If Democrats were worried about, and I, I want to hat tip uh, Lisa Booth, who had a great tweet on this one. If Democrats were so concerned about violence, if they were so concerned about what's really going on in this country and have been all summer, why is it that they didn't say anything until now about this? They weren't talking about violence. How many mentions of riots were there during the DNC? Remember, riots that they're now saying Trump is responsible for. How many mentions of them were there? Why is it that over a month ago, the attorney general, Bill Barr, at congressional at a congressional hearing had to say this play clip two? 
What makes me concerned for the country is this is the first time in my memory that the leaders of one of our great two political parties, uh, the Democratic Party, are not coming out and condemning mob violence and the attack on federal courts. Uh, why can't we just say, you know, the, the violence against federal courts has to stop? Could we hear something like that? He was saying that? This was over a month ago. The Attorney General was saying that they won't denounce violence, and no one was claiming that they were denouncing violence. They were saying, oh, there's not really much violence. There's no violence. Just protest. Mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful. You heard that all summer. Mostly peaceful. The journos are emotionally invested in the perceived morality of these protests. You think that they're going to accept now that this was a con all along? That they were wrong to buy into this? That they were actually hurting people? In fact, hurting the very people, predominantly black and Hispanic Americans, uh, that they claim to be helping. They're never they're never going to accept that. They're never going to step back and say, yeah, you know what? We made we made quite a mistake here. This movement is this movement is terrible. No, now it's we're going to stop the violence from the white nationalists. Hmm. From the white nationalists. Now, they're the ones doing all this. You, you can't you can't help but notice that Trump supporters just don't do the irresponsible, childish crap that. These Democrats are doing repeatedly, and I mean thousands and thousands of, look, any one person of any belief system can act out and be crazy. Any one person can do that. But when you're talking about mass movements, doesn't that indicate something about the ideology? This is a mass movement. BLM is a Democrat mass movement of destruction, coercion, violence, intimidation. That's what it is. And it's the single biggest political event for Democrats of this whole year. But we're supposed to ignore it? Act like we don't know what this is? It's, it's just appalling. It's just appalling. Oh, I love how April Ryan, going back to uh, April Ryan there on CNN, she's with Mayor Ted Wheeler. That's right, April Ryan. Not very smart. Ted Wheeler, a total moron. Uh, they're, I'm sure they see eye to eye on all this. He's a mayor whose city is turning into a national laughingstock and a cautionary tale. But April Ryan, who I'm sure is you know, paid a million dollars a year to be a mediocre at best journalist. Uh, April Ryan sits around and is with him. Think about it. We're, we're now going to pretend this is what they do. We're going to pretend Ted Wheeler's doing a good job. You know, the, the president's at least willing to offer assistance to moron Ted Wheeler. Play six. I also want to provide an update on left-wing political violence that we're seeing in Democrat-run cities. Under my administration, federal law enforcement is working with state and local authorities all over the country to comb through hours of video, track down rioters, looters, and arsonists, and bring them to justice. We've just come up with a report that we've arrested uh, a large number of people. Uh, it's over 200. And uh, you'll be hearing about that, but they've been arrested in various cities throughout the United States. We're doing it very low-key, but we're trying to help cities. They are, in all cases, Democrat-run, but we're doing the best we can to help them without really much of a consent. We'd like to have the consent as an example in Portland. We could solve that problem in approximately one hour. But the mayor refuses, perhaps for political reasons. I don't know why it's good for him to have a city that's falling apart. 
and that's under siege now for 94 days. But really, it's been under siege for years, if you know Portland. So uh, to the mayor, I say, whenever you're ready, let us know. We'll solve your problem of violence. We'll solve your problem of crime. We'll arrest those criminals very rapidly. And you'll be able to have some nice evenings in Portland. 102 of 175 people arrested during the protests in Kenosha were from out of town. People showing up to Kenosha to burn stuff down and to throw rocks at cops. Democrats doing all of that. Who's supporting them? Who's coordinating them? Who's funding them? Oh, the media, the Democrat Party really don't want to get into that, do they? You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. If you give violent extremists what they want, the violence doesn't go away. They gain new power to spread the terror nationwide. Uh, Most of our nation is extremely safe, by the way. You know, you only see the bad. You see Portland and Chicago and you see what's happened in New York just in a very short period of time. It's horrible what's happened in New York. I love New York. I come from New York. And when I see four years ago, I left and I could see that it was problems under this mayor. He's a terrible mayor, one of the worst. I can't say the worst. I mean, I've witnessed Portland. Hard to top him. But uh, he's certainly one of the worst. And uh, when I look at what's happening in New York and I look at what's happening in the city and so quickly, it happened so quickly, it's a shame. It's true. Ted Wheeler may be the worst mayor in the country. I I think we might have to give up the number one spot for Bill de Blasio in New York City, although it's close. Oh, someone explain to me why de Blasio, the mayor of New York, is okay with indoor dining in New Jersey, which for those who don't know New York City that well, is just across the river. You take a it's a subway stop, basically. You take the path train. It's kind of like a subway. It's a one train stop away. You can be there in five minutes and you can eat indoors in New Jersey, but you can't eat indoors in New York City. You can eat indoors all of New York State. But not New York City. That's that's how stupid we are here in New York. And I I know a lot of you are saying, well, Buck, time to go to other places. Yeah. Guess what? Democrats who have ruined, absolutely ruined these cities, these blue states with their dumbass liberal policies are going to just keep piling into states like Texas and Florida, where they have lower taxes Better run, better run bureaucracies, more, you know, pro business, pro growth strategies. New York City is just is in the extraction phase. That's all. It's been coasting. And now it can't turn around the spiral. And this is true of a lot of I think this is true of San Francisco now. It's true of Chicago. I mean, people that can leave are going to leave. But for those of you that keep on advocating for this, just remember. They're coming to. Texas, folks, they're showing up into your neck of the woods now. They're they're coming to Austin. They already have been for years. They're coming down to Nashville. They're coming down to anywhere in Florida, pretty much. So get ready for it. Do you think they're going to show up and say, wow, maybe high taxes and a giant welfare state and social justice obsessed Marxism is a bad idea as a governing philosophy? That's why I'm here now. So maybe. I'll, no, of course not. They'll just say, oh, well, we just wanted something different now. So that's why we've moved to Tampa. You know, that's why we're here. Uh, Yeah, that and you realize your wife and kids couldn't walk around on the street and be safe anymore. Trump knows this. They've 
the Democrats are in a panic because, look, if, if Americans are so stupid at this point, meaning enough of us, right, if 51% of American voters roughly are going to see what the Democrat Party has done to the country just this year and want to put Joe Biden, who is, is a confused buffoon, in charge, you know, we're going to get what we deserve and get it long and hard, unfortunately, as a country. I mean, that's what we're, that's what we're facing. That's what's going to end up happening. Speaking of Joe Biden and how he's supposed to be this great leader that will unite us and do all these amazing things. uh, This was Joe Biden speaking during a prepared event, not not questions from reporters, not people trying to trip him up. This is just Joe Biden speaking at an event yesterday in Pennsylvania. Play one. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives... It's just, it's, I mean, you think about it. More lives this year than any other year for the past hundred years. <laughs> what, what does he think he's saying? Well, what, what is that? COVID is the thing and the place and the thing and the hundred years. And, you know, you really just want to get this guy a nice blanket for his shoulders and a sippy cup and tell him, that it's time to feed the squirrels. I mean, it's like, you need to get him to calm down, folks. Well, what is this? That's who's supposed to be running the country? I swear, it's just imp- it's impossible to get these people to stop. It's impossible to get them to stop supporting Biden. Do- doesn't matter how crazy he is. Doesn't matter how absurd the pitch is. Doesn't matter how much he lies. You know, right now, Biden is saying that he's not banning fracking. He's just going to limit fracking on public lands. That's what that's what the the more moderate position is. He's peddling today. Uh, well, here is Biden just last year. Play clip eight. Uh, but, but, kiddo, I want you to just take a look. OK, you don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you. We're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate. Okay? We're going to end fossil fuels. Wouldn't that include drilling? Wouldn't that include fracking? Of course it would have to. This is an objectively maniacal and insane policy idea. But Democrats believe in it. They think that this makes a lot of sense, that this is going to make us a better, safer freer, more prosperous country by getting rid of fossil fuels. Fossil fuels are, I mean, when you, when you look at this, fossil fuels are the lifeblood of our entire economy right now. And they want to restrict it, make it more expensive, make it harder to get, which is going to make your life more annoying. That's really what Democrats do. They make your life more annoying and think of themselves as heroes for doing so. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. We ever going to get some justice, some accountability against this movement? We ever going to see that happen? There was a step today that I thought was at least in the right direction. Rand Paul has called to subpoena Antifa plane records, hotel records, travel records, and all funding. Friends, there are groups that are being funded. There are individuals and groups that are being funded to do this kind of agitation. 
which is a criminal conspiracy. There are conspiracy statutes. You know what a conspiracy is under federal law? Two or more people who try to put in motion a plan to break federal law. It's not hard to be guilty of conspiracy. That's why the feds, when they want to jam somebody up, love to use that that charge so much. So this is a good first step. It'll be even better when they announce an Antifa RICO prosecution. It is, after all, you know, Antifa is an interstate criminal conspiracy organized and funded as an entity. So I say line them up and knock them down. Let's do it. Let's let's use the law as it should be to prevent criminality, not to lock up incoming national security advisors because Democrats are so sad they lost. Hillary lost. I'm going to tell you this right now, and it's not going to change. If Trump wins re-election, I'm going we're, I'm going to be a sore winner. I'll be a, a I'll be a if we lose, I'll be a respectful and a reasonable person. But I will tell you, if Trump wins, I'll be a sore winner. Because they deserve the Democrats deserve to have their faces absolutely rubbed in all of this. It's disgusting what they're doing. It's horrific. It's appalling. And I'm not going to be able to just let that go. Not after all the lies told during the lockdowns and all the double standards. And now this this pretense that the violence is because of Trump. I mean, come on. You know, what are they going to say next? You know, that that Trump isn't strong enough on the border that they're really strong on border security. They're they're the ones that want to build a wall. How much crazier can it really get from what we're already seeing here? I do want the president, though, to go after Antifa and these other groups. I want the Department of Justice to use the tools at its disposal because we should know. One, we should stop this. People don't deserve to have their cities destroyed by a a uh, across state lines criminal conspiracy using the wires, meaning anything that's uh, you know c- telecommunications crossing state boundaries, which is what they're all doing. They're coordinating this across state lines, and they're they're going to attack law enforcement officers, burn down buildings. That's not p- uh, protected First Amendment speech. In some cases, they're going to kill people, which is what they've already done. So why don't we lo- start locking them up? Let's go. And let's also bring them up on federal charges and say, okay, we'll we'll cut you a deal. Who was paying to send you to Kenosha? Who was paying to send you to Portland? What were you really planning to do? Who are you in communication with during your your riots in, you know, I don't know. L.A. just had its first series uh, in the last couple of days of of new anti-cop riots. And from what I understand, this is where a police officer shot somebody who had a gun and was a threat to police officers. So, so now we're going to see riots no matter what happens. Right? If you shoot someone who is black in America and you're a cop, there can be an expectation of riots. Your life will be threatened and it'll all fall apart because the BLM movement is full of lies and has filled people's heads with the nonsense that law enforcement is routinely and systematically murdering black men who are unarmed out of racism. That's the, that's the actual storyline and it's a falsehood. It's a false. We need to be able to say that now, too. One of the big problems I think we've had in all of this is you have so few people who are willing to, in the earlier days, speak out against this movement. And, and it was uh, troubling to see how even major corporations, I'm going to tell you, I, I tried to write a piece on wartime conservatism, and it was a very good piece, and everyone liked it. And some very large media organizations out there were... Not up to printing it. 
Yeah, a bunch of different uh, websites were, oh, no, we can't print that. Why? There are political campaigns, a word borrowed from from wars. You can't talk about being a wartime conservative. Nope, can't say that. That that was right, you know, in the weeks after the George Floyd incident, uh, when I was trying to tell everybody, be prepared for what we're going to be up against. The left can't help itself. This isn't a smart tactic. This what they've done here with this mobilization. They liked it for a while and it did put Trump on defense. But now it's become too apparent what it really is. Now that we see the truth, it is a liability and they wish they could make the whole thing go away. Of course, they can't. As I've said, I don't believe they really even have full control over the movement anymore. I think if Pelosi called for this to stop, a lot of people would say no. Look at what they do to Ted Wheeler. Ted Wheeler is basically walking around offering Antifa a, you know, shiatsu massage. Please, Antifa, I'll do anything just like me. And they they actually scream curses in his face and spit at him. And he is a, a lib coward who does everything he can to make them happy. And they, they hate him. You think they're going to listen to other Democrats now? who realize at least what this is going to do to their electoral chances, they, they, they don't care. It, does, it doesn't matter. <sighs> no, what they really want you to believe, they, they want you to believe, um, they want you to believe that Trump is the one who's not denouncing the violence now. The violence is, is a result of Trump. Uh, play 19. We need to hear our leaders denouncing the violence in our streets, denouncing it. We need to hear them tell us the truth that rioting divides instead of unites. But this president can't say that. He cannot denounce the violence. He just cannot. He cannot admit that it divides instead of unites. Can't do that. Here's why. Because Election Day is just 63 days away. He's desperate. And he desperately needs to change the subject. He can't run on his record, really. Think about it. Think about the truth. Trump can't. I just want I know it's Don Lemon, so I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here of trying to understand the workings of Don Lemon's brain. He's not a very smart man. Trump can't denounce the rioting because he can't run on his record. That doesn't even make sense. Trump has been denouncing the rioting and the looting all along. Now we're going to again, nothing matters. No reality matters. No history, no truth. We are we are in a cultural, culturally relative, moral, relative, moral relativism universe with the left where they'll just make it up as they go along. You look at them and say, how could you honestly say this at this point? How can you really be making uh, such a stupid, such a stupid claim? And it's because they think people are dumb enough that they'll believe it. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, and they were very upset at the president because he's not uh, he's not going against uh, Rittenhouse. Right. Because he's not throwing Rittenhouse under the bus. First of all, presidents should not be commenting on individual criminal cases, really. I mean, when I say not commenting, they can speak about it, but they should not be influencing people. The, the president is an executive branch employee. There should be a presumption of innocence, but also the process of you know, the government's prosecution should be allowed to should, to go forward without undue interference from from other officials, uh, which Obama didn't do, by the way. Oh, you go back to the Obama administration. You know, remember, if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon. 
Remember he said that? You know, he's trying to create greater sympathy for Trayvon Martin. Remember when that was the big story of racism in America? When some Hispanic guy gets into a fight with a, with a, a black guy and what, the black guy tries to bash in the Hispanic guy's head in the sidewalk. And it was an exam. And he's the guy's not a cop, right? George Zimmerman's not a cop. But they created out of out of nothing this. Oh, he's a white Hispanic. That's what they were saying. He's a white Hispanic because his last name. Because, well, he's half. He's half white. He, he appeared visually. George Zimmerman, one would have thought was of Hispanic origin. But they negated his Hispanic origin. Can you imagine if you were in the if, if someone in the press tried to negate, say, at this point, Kamala, a, a portion of Kamala Harris's heritage, there would be an outcry. There'd be outrage. But George Zimmerman, no, he's George Zimmerman was white. That was the claim. The wh- white Hispanic, whatever that even means. Uh, but they needed something. They wanted a story to tell. And the media in that case even went so far as to doctor tapes to make Zimmerman look even more guilty. Which, if memory serves, he didn't go to prison at all. It turns out that you can't expect people to get their heads bashed into the sidewalk when they have a loaded gun on them. They're going to use the gun. That is self-defense. And that's a natural law issue. That's not even just a question of statute. It, It doesn't matter what any government claims or says about your ability to defend yourself. You have a moral right to defend yourself. This is and this is really one of the most basic rights that you could have. So, you know, Zimmerman, who's a weird guy, obviously, and I'm, I'm not I'm not like a George Zimmerman fan at all. But, you know, Zimmerman shot Trayvon Martin there in a fight. Now we've got the incident with Rittenhouse. I saw the lawyer last night on Tucker's show. I don't look. I'm just going to say I don't think this lawyer. If you're a lawyer and you're showing up for a major criminal case like this, you got to sound like you're really squared away. I was not impressed with this guy. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you the truth. I do not think that Rittenhouse is being well served by this particular attorney. Um, I wish we could get this guy. I wish he had a you know better legal counsel. I don't think you show up on Tucker Carlson's show as a lawyer with like a, a a rumpled dress shirt that looks like you just you know rolled out of you just rolled out of buying a you know a jug of Nutella at Costco or something. Like I I, I did not get a good vibe. I'm just telling you, I didn't get a good vibe about the whole thing. And he's he's going to claim this is a well-regulated militia defense under the Second Amendment. Ah, uh, buddy, you're trying to get your client off of a murder charge. You got to work within the, the system you have. You, you can't. This is not an Aaron Sorkin movie. I, I do think uh, that there's a very strong claim for Rittenhouse on self-defense. I've said that all along. I also think that we shouldn't be encouraging people who are 17 or 18, even if they think they're helping You're putting yourself in a very dangerous situation when it comes to use of force. And again, this is not a moral issue. This is a wisdom issue, right? You defend yourself no matter what, right? If someone's attacking you, I don't care what you've done or what the situation is. If they're the ones attacking you, you have a right to defend yourself. Um, So that's a different question than, say, should you put yourself in the middle of an angry mob, choose to be in the middle of an angry mob with a loaded weapon, when you have very limited training and very limited understanding of the law and also what a lethal force situation is going to be like. This guy was not, you know, former SF. You know who was former SF? The guy in Austin who shot a one of these BLM lunatics who was waving a gun in his face and threatening him. No charges there. But that guy understood. This guy's waving a gun in my face. I, I, this, this meets all the parameters, and I'm going to defend myself. 
And, you know, he's somebody who was trained. And I'm not saying you have to be trained, of course, to defend yourself, but I'm just saying, and he was put in that situation. He didn't go looking for the situation. I, I, I look, I, I, just, I just wish that young, young uh, Kyle Rittenhouse wasn't facing the ruination of his life, which he now is, which he now is. He seems like he's probably a very good guy uh, based on the reporting about what he was, his intentions were. He was supportive even of the, I mean, he's, look, I think he's young and ignorant enough to think the protesters have a point. They don't, but he was a well-intentioned kid. He was trying. I don't know, maybe you shouldn't call someone who's 17 a kid, but we always go back. People change this all the time. You know, are you a kid when you're 17? Well, you can join the Marine Corps when you're 17, so certainly not going to tell a 17-year-old Marine he's a kid. All right, but back to what Trump said about the Rittenhouse situation. Uh, because he, he was asked about it, and, and here's what... Well, for, first, for, well, you know what, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into this in a bit more detail, so hold one second. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. President had a press conference where he was pushed on the Rittenhouse case. Here's how they they try to set up. Remember, one guy, one person defends himself and kills two people who are coming after him. We see it on video. We're not just taking someone's word for it. It's on the video. They were going after him. There's no question about that. One guy defends himself. And that's supposed to be symbolic or, or that's supposed to be uh, clear evidence that the whole of Trump supporters are violent and they're the problem. Meanwhile, you got you know whole blocks of cities burned down. People throwing rocks at cops, trying to blind them with lasers. Thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of them for months and months and months. All Democrats. Not not indicative of anything, they tell you. Not indicative of anything. This is outrageous. But this is, in fact, what is happening. All right, so here they are trying to push Trump to condemn conservative protesters now. Oh, this is the game they want to play. 16. So do you want to also take this chance to condemn what your supporters did? Well, I understand they had large numbers of people that were supporters, but that was a peaceful protest. And paint is not, and paint is a defensive mechanism. Paint is not bullets. Uh, your supporters, your supporters, and they are your supporters indeed, uh, shot a young gentleman who, uh, and killed him, not with paint, but with a bullet. And I think it's disgraceful. These people, they protested peacefully. They went in very peacefully. And I'll tell you what they're protesting. They're protesting when they turn on television, or read whatever they may be reading, and they see a city like Chicago, where 78 people were shot and 13 died, or a city like New York, where the crime rate has gone through the roof, or a city like Portland, where the the entire city is ablaze all the time, and a mayor says, we don't want any help from the federal government. When these people turn that on and they see that, they say, this is not our country. This is not our country. That was a peaceful protest, totally. I like how the president just goes right back at them with the nonsense they're trying now. Oh, yeah, sure. The problem here, folks, are the Trump supporters. Really? No, no, no one who's no one who's honest and intelligent can believe that. Come on. This is a Democrat movement. It couldn't be any more clear. It's obvious. They've been actually in your faces. Who is who's going out toppling monuments? Who wants to destroy Christopher Columbus statues, Gandhi statues? Who wants to 
uh, scream in people's faces while they're in outdoor dining, because God forbid we're allowed to eat indoors ever again, about, you know, how, how they need to they stand in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. It's all, we all know it's all Democrats. But they want to focus on the Trump supporters. Here is the president when asked specifically about Kyle Rittenhouse, 17. Saying, are you going to condemn the actions of vigilantes like Kyle Rittenhouse? And- well, we're, we're looking at all of it. Uh, that was an interesting situation. You saw the same tape as I saw. And uh, he was trying to get away from them, I guess, it looks like. And he fell. And then they very violently attacked him. And it was something that we're looking at right now, and it's under investigation. But uh, I, I guess he was in very big trouble. He would have been, I, he probably would have been killed. But it's under, it's under investigation. I think it's under investigation, but from what he saw in the video, he's telling you, uh, kind of looked like the guy was defending himself, which it certainly does. But I think everyone needs to remember that as far as the Democrats are concerned, uh, it doesn't matter if someone's attacking you. If you're a Trump supporter, you deserve to be attacked. It's what they believe. If you're a Trump supporter. You deserve to be attacked. You deserve what you get. And we're not going to allow you to even defend you. Never mind have the state defend you and protect you. No, no, no. That's not how the left plays the game. Folks, they're dishonest, but they do play for keeps. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. So how are we looking for re-election, and how is it looking in our fight against the insane libs for the future of this country? We've got somebody who can weigh in on that and more joining us right now to also talk about his latest book, Donald Trump Jr. is with us now. His book is Liberal Privilege, Joe Biden and the Democrats' Defense of the Indefensible, topic near and dear to our heart on this show. Don, thanks so much for calling in. Good to be with you, Buck. It's great to be here. All right. So, hey, look, you, you wrote a, a book. Uh, we actually had you on the show for that one a while back. Huge bestseller. Um, yeah. What are you doing with this one? What are you laying out? I mean, obviously, we got an election coming up. Every issue feels like it's so heightened. Yeah. What should people know about liberal privilege? Well, listen, you know, I wrote the book because when basically because of the lockdown, I was locked away up at my cabin. Uh, you know, Kimberly's a lot of fun, but I had to do a little bit of work. I couldn't go to work. You couldn't go. Kids couldn't go to school, couldn't go to church, couldn't do anything. I started looking at the person that we're running against. And I was amazed when I started digging deep into all of these things, again, whether it's health, whether it's policy, whether it's sort of the family graft, whether it's racial issues. I mean, Joe Biden, according to uh, Robert Gates, Obama's secretary of defense, has been on the wrong side of every major decision of his entire career. And that's 50 years. And I'm watching the media try to run him as this sort of, you know, undefined, nondescript Democrat. He's just moderate Joe from Scranton. And I'm like, oh, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. And so since the media has sort of abdicated their job, they've they've just walked away from giving people both sides of the story to simply be a cheerleader for the radical left. I said someone has to actually take this down and put it down because it's literally me versus, you know, there's guys like you as well. But like our universe of people on the right willing to say these things to get them out there is, you know, one percent of the media masses that are literally doing whatever they can to cover up the disastrous Joe Biden career. I mean, they're running this thing like, hey, Joe Biden, he's going to come and save America. I go, he's been there for half a century. Like, I can't name a single accomplishment. 
You know, name something that he's done other than building up China. It's been a disaster. So I literally said, since the media refuses to do their job, they won't do it. I have to put out the counterpoint for those people. It's not even for the MAGA crowd. It's for the people who are on the fence, people who want to know what's really going on, who realize they're not being told any part of the story. I mean, it's hard to hide a half a century of failure, but the media is doing their darndest to make sure they do that for Joe. Talking to Donald Trump Jr. He's got a new book out, Liberal Privilege, Joe Biden, the Democrats' Defense of the Indefensible. Don, what do you make of the switch that has happened just this week where we've gone from what riots, these are mostly peaceful protests, to the president and your dad is somehow responsible for the riots? How did this happen and what do you what do you say in response to it? Well, it happened because they saw the polling data and all of a sudden, you know, they they ignored the riots, the looting, the vandalism. They ignored it for an entire week. Uh, That week that was the hate filled uh, anti-America Zoom call, also known as the DNC. Uh, They ignored it. Not one person, Buck, spoke about it. Not one person mentioned it. Joe Biden didn't even come out against it and say anything. There was tacit acceptance from the left. Remember, If you opened up your business to feed your family, you'd get arrested or lose your license. But if you looted that business, that's okay. NPR is writing articles, the case for looting, meaning it's okay. You can loot a little bit. It's not a big deal. I mean, this is the Democrat platform. So it took Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon to sit there on TV and say, hey, you know, man, guys, it's It's really hurting us in the polls. The next day, all of a sudden, there's a switch. So they went from peaceful protest to riots that are now Trump's fault. I was like, I don't know how they could be riots if they've been peaceful protests for the last six months, according to the media, according to every Democrat, according to these outlets. Those buildings that you see burning in the background as they're selling you this BS— Obviously, it's just a sheer coincidence. You saw the, you know, Chris Cisillo, whatever the hell his name is, the other day. Well, they're mostly peaceful, and there hasn't really been any kind of escalation. And the picture that he posted is is a picture of a city in flame. It's it's ludicrous. But they've been selling that to the American people, and that was a big part of the book, also. You know, highlighting the hypocrisy, the double standard by which the media will look at Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Uh, You know, again, whether that be on policy, notice they spent more time talking about my three-year-old nephew and if he, in fact, built a Lego White House for his grandfather, because my sister mentioned that in his speech, than they did talking about getting a peace deal done in the Middle East. I mean, sort of the holy grail of geopolitical politics, a, a Middle East peace deal, was accomplished two weeks ago. And goose eggs, crickets. Nothing. It's like it didn't happen. Uh, So, you know, the book was really there to make sure that people understand the uneven playing field that we're on uh, to the bias that they're getting their news from. Uh, You know, that guy that's working hard or lady working hard to put food on the table. They're coming home and they're consuming five minutes of news a day. And it's just 96 percent negative against Donald Trump, irrespective of economic numbers, irrespective of results, regardless of Middle East peace deals. All of the wins that we've seen trade deals with China, renegotiating failed NAFTA. It's like they never happened. If Obama did these things, he'd be emperor for life, but he got nothing done. And Biden was his VP. All those things that Biden says he's going to solve. He had eight years as vice president and 40 years in the Senate to actually fix. But now he's going to be our savior. But now he's going to do it. He's a slow starter. It took him half a century to get into his groove. Is anyone that stupid? Unfortunately, (laughs) 
<laughs> I think as we see yeah. with Joe, well, with Joe Biden, are. I was going to say. Are, but I hope they see through it. I mean, the, yeah. the most recent, I'm sure you saw that most recent soundbite where he's kind of talking about a hundred years of this and the thing and the place. And, and there's a part of me, I mean, it, this is politics, as people say, it ain't being bad, right? Like, this is real. So you can't let this stuff slide. But it's a combination of funny and sad, depending on how you really come no, at it. What you yeah, see well, with this what, guy? It, it would be funny if it would. It would be funny if it was in a movie. I mean, it's. I watch the Biden campaign. It's like a scene out of Veep every day. Every day, this happens. It'd be funny if it wasn't so scary. And I don't mean to make light of dementia, but Joe Biden, and I go into this in great detail in the book. I actually interview Ronnie Jackson, who was the White House doctor and observed him for eight years there, uh, you know, has seen the steady decline. And then you say that, you say, wait a minute, this is a guy that has had two brain surgeries because of aneurysms, because of explosions in his brain. He's lucky to be alive, but no doctor with any credibility would tell you that there's there's not a huge chance that even if you had one, that there'd be a major issue cognitively with you forever from that point forward. He's had two. And then he can't remember where he is most of the time. You saw the, the speech yesterday. I mean, he's on a teleprompter. And I mean, you could see the look of fear in his eyes the second he realized he forgot where he was, the point he was going to make. You saw the same thing, Buck, in the debates. Remember the Democrat debates? That was that was three weeks ago. That was before they became obsolete. Now the New York Times is telling us and the Washington Post is telling us the debates are obsolete because they know they don't want Joe Biden on the stage with Donald Trump. I can mean, I can I ask you, do you do you think obsolete, just for every for everyone listening, we're, we're talking to Donald Trump Jr. Got a new book out. You got to check it out. Liberal privilege. But D D Don, I just I want to ask. Do you think the debate's going to happen? I know they've set it on the calendar, but do you believe it's going to happen? I don't think he shows up. I don't know how he gets out of it now. I mean, they're trying. You saw, you know, the New York Times again, Washington Post. The debates are sort of obsolete now. They're they're obsolete. But remember, during the debates, Joe Biden would sit there. He'd give a 45-second answer, not actually answer the question. Then he'd forget where he was going, and it was like, um... Just like a deer in the headlights, panic. And then he would immediately, his default answer is, well, I don't want to take up any more time, so I'm going to let everyone... I was like, Joe... I'd actually appreciate you finishing your thought rather than pretending you answered a question. But again, no one called him out on it. No one. If Donald Trump had a performance like that, if Donald Trump once stammered and, and forgot where he was and couldn't read the basics of a teleprompter like Joe Biden did yesterday, every television psychologist in America would be on the air saying he's in the later stages of dementia and Alzheimer's plus other mental diseases combined. I've, I've also I've also got to ask you, Don, I, I got to ask you, because because, you know, you understand what this media, the mainstream media, obviously there are exceptions like me. Yeah. You know, all the people on the right who make who make the, the uh, contrarian case to the sort of left wing corporatist socialism that is constantly being spewed at CNN and MSNBC and other places. But you are the particular recipient of media attention as a member of the first family, as the president's eldest yeah. son. There's another would be first son in a sense here in Hunter Biden. I mean, did, just on, on a personal level, do you ever view the way the media shows no interest in the uh, child with the stripper driving around in like the new yeah. Porsche, even though he claims he's got no money and he's how on much, the board of Burisma? How much time you got? Uh, let's just say there's probably two chapters in the book on this. But, you know, Hunter Biden is taking one point five billion dollars from the Chinese government. For your listeners who don't know what that means, in a typical fund structure, there's a two percent management fee and 20 percent of the profits. Two percent annual fee 
on $1.5 billion is $30 million a year to Hunter Biden. You think Joe Biden's going to be tough on China? I mean, he spent his entire career shipping our jobs to China. Again, NAFTA, TPP, pushing for permanent status in the World Trade Organization. Joe Biden has done more damage to the middle class and the manufacturing sector of this country than any human being alive. He should be running for president of China, not of America. But again, no one's going to hold him accountable for that. You think it would be a news story if I knocked up a stripper buck and I spent three years hiding from child support? Yes. You know, she'd be the <laughs> number one interview in America. And they're like, this person doesn't exist. That never happened. Joe is a great family guy. I get to listen to Hunter Biden in that like sort of, you know, pre-recorded like uh, vignette set that he did talking about, you know, his family's character. I'm like, this guy's going to go there? I mean, the media's attack on my speech at the DNC was that, I guess, the lighting made my eyes shine. So they said I was on cocaine. I go, no, no, no. You have me confused with the actual crackhead, Hunter Biden. I, it's, it's absolutely disgusting. And I've done it because they, they say, hey, our family has done graft and all of this stuff. I go, how about this? You put me on a debate stage. Jim Van de Hei of Axios did this. So, you know, no one that anyone's going to confuse as a conservative. I said, Jim, you moderate the debate. Me versus Hunter, full disclosure. Tax returns everything. Full disclosure, you do it. The media, oh, Hunter Biden would kill Donald Jr. He's a Yale lawyer. I'm sure he didn't get into Yale because his dad was pulling the purse strings with the education. I'm sure it had nothing to do with it, right? Just like all of his other jobs. But I said, let's do it. They said, Hunter would kill Don Jr. I go, fine, then make it happen. Put the nail in my coffin. Let's end this once and for all. All of a sudden, it went to crickets. You know, that doesn't even talk about Ukraine, the other graphs. More importantly, what the book gets into that no one knows about is you know, Jim's, uh, Joe's brother, Jim, getting all these housing contracts to build homes in the Middle East in these war zones. You know, billion dollar type contracts, minor details. He'd never built a home in his life. But you know what he did have? He had access to Joe Biden. That's all it is. If these were things that my family were doing, we'd be in jail right now. We were actually international business people before we got into politics, and we stopped doing new deals abroad to avoid the notion of impropriety. We actually did it. Hunter and Jim magically became business people overnight when you know their dad and brother, respectively, became VP. But again, you can't touch that. So you know, I go into all of those details. So anyone who thinks that this is moderate Joe from Scranton and not the biggest swamp creature DC has ever produced is just flagrantly mistaken. So this book is the counterpoint to all of the fluffing that the media is giving Biden, his record, his history, his family, because it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all a lie, but no one's going to know that unless you take the effort and put it out there. So that's what this is. I mean, you, you have literally 560 citations of each of these points also, so they can't say I'm spreading fake news. I mean, uh, the, the, it's 35 pages of literally citations of all of these points, all of it. Uh, well, the voting record, the racial record. It's a disaster. Any one of these things by themselves would be disqualifying if a conservative did it. But Joe Biden's the perfect vessel for the left because they can tell middle America that he's a moderate, but not talk about Kamala and her record as VP, because we all know she's going to be in charge anyway, right? Not talk about the Biden-Sanders, Bernie Sanders joint unity platform. Joe Biden's platform is not a matter of platform if you're utilizing Bernie Sanders' platform. I think folks I mean, are going to have to get the rest of it in, in, in the book, which sounds like it's well worth the read, everyone. You should check it out. Liberal Privilege. Donald Trump Jr. is the author. Liberal Privilege. Joe Biden and the Democrats' defense of the indefensible. Don, thanks so much for coming on. I know you don't need to hear this from me, but please, let's make sure your dad wins, okay? <laughs> please. America needs it. I, I, I'm working hard. Make sure all your listeners are doing the same, okay? Absolutely, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Have a good one.
You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. You know, there are some governors out there who are actually looking at the data and the science about COVID-19 and taking the right conclusions from it. You won't hear much about this because we're all supposed to accept lockdown until the election, which I've been telling you, Democrats, were going to do this for months. And turns out that is what they're going to do. Keep us locked down in blue states and blue cities as much as they can get away with until the election actually happens. And then we'll see where we are after that. They, they might like us down even more if Trump wins, right, to punish us for our political sins. But here's Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who is, by the numbers, three times better than Governor Cuomo at keeping people alive during a pandemic. Three times better. Really more than that, almost three and a half times better. All right, so you got about 10,000 deaths in Florida, about 33,000 deaths in New York from COVID, okay? So anyone who thinks that Governor DeSantis needs a lecture has to explain why they can't do math. But DeSantis also is letting everyone know there's not going to be a second lockdown. Play 22. We gained jobs, 74,000, I think, private sector jobs in July. And just imagine if we had shut down the state, we'd have lost another three or four hundred thousand jobs. And so I think that uh, we understand what we need to do. uh, But but we will never do any of these lockdowns um, again. And I hear people say they'll shut down the country. And honestly, I cringe because we know places that have done that. The most draconian lockdown in the world has been Peru, military in force since March. They have the highest per capita mortality in the world from covid and at best what a lockdown will do is delay it does not reduce the ultimate uh, mortality but i think dr alice would agree it creates a lot of other problems uh, with mortality that a lot of uh, that a lot of people don't necessarily focus on all it does is delay but when the population is so fearful you can control them promise that oh if we just do this one more month one more month you'll be safe the government can't follow through on that promise. Everyone needs to understand that. The government's not in a position to deliver on the promise it makes here. But people don't care. They want to blame Trump for all this, in this country at least, even though it's hit the whole world. The whole world has been hit by this. A lot of very advanced, sophisticated countries have had a terrible time with COVID. Some other countries have had a much less terrible time with COVID. Obesity is an enormous indicator of how well how well a society is going to do with this. I'll just note that. Uh, so that doesn't get talked about very much at all. This not all populations of countries are the same. And uh, we are not taking the right conclusions from this if we think that continued lockdown makes any sense. DeSantis is right. The critics, the haters of DeSantis, they don't know what they're talking about. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. What the heck's really going on with the country? There's a guy who can certainly answer that question for us. Jesse Kelly is with us now. He is the host of the Jesse Kelly Show on KPRC down in Houston. You can also watch and listen to him on I'm Right with Jesse Kelly on the first which is the best digital channel for conservative talk and opinion out there. Mr. Kelly, good to see you. It is good to be here. I'm glad you get to see me today, Bob. I'm a lucky man. What can I say? Let's start with this. I, I, was, uh, I, I was a little taken aback today. This was one of those that wasn't getting that much attention, but 
you know, there was a, a story in the New York Times, which shouldn't surprise anybody. Here's how it goes. Proud and fierce in their identity, the Marines have a singular race problem that critics say is rooted in decades of resistance to change. A handful of white men rule over 185,000 white African-American, Hispanic and Asian men and women. Uh, Jesse, I, I had hoped that the libs weren't planning to tear down all of the most hollowed, necessary and unifying and elite institutions of this country as racist and sexist. But apparently even the Marine Corps, they want to dismantle what's going on. Well, one, leftists don't look at anything and say to themselves, ah, we shouldn't go there. Let's just leave that alone. It's a religion of domination. It's not a political ideology. That's why they're ruining the church. They'll ruin the Marine Corps. They're, they're coming for all of it. But the two, they're already in the Marine Corps, Buck. We're trying to make women, uh, we're trying to make them in the infantry Marines. A female body does not hold up to that. To say nothing of the fact it screws up the unit cohesion. Women have no place in frontline combat units at all. It's completely ridiculous. We're a country of 350 million people. There's no need to have women there. But when it comes to the Marine Corps, they were, at least when I was in, they were the prime example of what race relations should be. It's easy for me to say. My infantry platoon, we said the most awful racist things to each other on a daily basis, stuff that would make hardened individuals cringe and go, that's probably too far. And we all laughed and laughed and laughed and nobody cared. We had black guys, we had Cubans, we had Mexicans, we had people from Guatemala and the worst crap you could imagine. We would say it because we didn't care. It was a joke. That's how dudes relate to each other. It's the people who are afraid to talk about it. Those are the real racists. Jesse Kelly laying it down for everybody because these days i feel like there's always there's always some you know uh they they always find some retired three-star four-star to go on cnn who will claim with a straight face that what you said for example about women in combat specifically i i, I don't know what it takes to see this i mean i you know women are biologically different in a way that is Less effective in a combat situation, but we're not allowed to say that, are we? I mean, now we have to pretend like the single biggest study the Marine Corps did of women in combat did not show catastrophic anatomic failure over time compared to their male counterparts. Shocking amounts of failure. Setting aside things like just basic lung capacity and unit cohesion, physically, it's not there. Their bodies, they don't have the hips, they don't have the legs for it, they don't have the shoulders for it. Their bodies break down over time. It is a relentless four-year pounding. I haven't been in the Marine Corps in, oh, 15 years. My knees still tell me when it's going to rain, and I'm six foot eight, 230 pounds. What do you think that looks like to a 5'215 215-pound woman? It destroys her body. They're just not made to be there, and we don't need them to be there. But be that as it may, you brought up generals. Generals are just like doctors and teachers, and that people, they hear the title, and they automatically assign some level of respect to it. And leftists, of course, will use that because tons of generals, just like doctors and teachers, don't deserve any respect at all. They're useless, idiot losers. Uh, now, granted, just like doctors and teachers, all it takes is one great general to change your life for the better for the rest of your life. But automatically assigning respect because of the title is ridiculous. Most of the generals I knew were scumbag politicians who were only in it for a career. I was happy to have one or two who were fantastic, though. Uh, Jesse Kelly, everybody, never, never holding it back. Uh, so you're down in Texas. I'm up here in New York. How are you guys doing with actually getting your lives back? I, I'm 
I'm uh, not willing to just give up because people are tired of hearing about my complaints about mask policy and how it doesn't make any sense in so many different contexts. I mean, my, my favorite recently that I've been subjected to is Uber now wants you to take a photo or threatens to make people take selfies if they're caught not wearing a mask and the driver complains about it. So now you have to prove you're wearing a mask. Every Uber that I have gone into, and you can't really find yellow cabs in New York anymore, the kind of ubiquitous, iconic yellow cab that usually has, you know, lots of old gum stuck on the bottom of the floor, smells a bit like, you know, hobo feces. I mean, all of that. You can't find that anymore. <laughs> but you do have you do have a requirement to wear masks inside these Ubers. The guys put the mask on when you get in the car, Jesse. So I'm basically in like a moving by their own theory, a moving viral vesicle until the guy puts his mask on. And then I'm supposed to believe it's fine. I don't understand what your problem is with taking basic medical precautions. But when I walk into a restaurant that's full of people and I have to put my mask on for the 20 feet between my door and the table and then sit down and can immediately take it off, I know that I've stopped the spread of coronavirus. You can only get it as you're standing, walking through a restaurant. You can't get it when you're sitting down. And that cab driver, he can't spread it around until you're in the car. It's all, this is all of our coronavirus response. You need to just accept this. It was created by only the smartest medical experts. They all only have your best interests in mind. So please just shut up and comply and destroy the economy of the United States of America while they try to figure out how to treat something. When do people decide that they're just not going to do this anymore? I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little bit. Is, is it because we all have incredible flat screen TVs that 20 years ago people would have paid ten thousand dollars for? But now we pay two hundred and fifty bucks for them. Like, well, and, and we have endless entertainment options. And food tastes better than it ever has. I mean, are we kind of in this brave new world of food and entertainment in the home that allows people to not completely lose their minds for having a government take away the actual a lot of the parts of life, time with family, pursuing your career, time outdoors. I'm, I'm wondering what it takes. Like, what do we have to do before people just say, no, come and arrest me? I think there are three parts. For one, what you just said is true. I think there are three main parts of this one. We have an American society that's been educated in government school systems, and therefore they've been taught they're supposed to be good little sheep and do as they're told and do as the government says. Most people in society have been educated like that for 18 years of their lives or whatever it works out to be. That's one. Two, the people being actually attacked and affected by coronavirus are, for the most part, people on the right. That's why it's small business owners and people like that. So they're going to be less prone to street rioting, as we've seen, than people on the left. And lastly, they slow rolled everybody. And look, it was you and I very early on saying yep. uh, this: these lockdowns are stupid from pretty much day one. But for the most part, remember, the American people are compassionate people. I don't have that problem because I have no heart or soul. But when the American people are told go home for a week, they'll do it. Okay, go home for two weeks. They'll do it. 15 days to flatten the spread. They'll do it. And they just kept adding. You notice they were incremental about all of it. Well, just a little more of this, a little more of that, a little more of this. And sooner or later, you wake up and you have what we have now, 50 million people unemployed and a $4 trillion deficit. And now you slow rolled it so much, no one cares. It does feel like the the, the frog in the boiling pot. I, I'm, I'm furious about it every day. I actually have people that write into me and say, Stop talking about the, the national mask mandate that Biden wants. You know, we, we don't want to hear about this anymore. And I'm like, you don't want to hear about this? 
These people are ruining our, like, they're ruining people's lives over nonsense. What, how is this not? And these are conservatives sometimes. I, I, I get very frustrated. I'm like, are, aren't we, you know, we had hundreds of thousands of people marching about government spending, Jesse, under the aegis of the Tea Party in 2010. Well, they're destroying millions Those of businesses people, and telling you you can't go visit grandma or have a funeral if she dies. And we're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but well, those people were marching about $800 billion spending bills under Barack Obama. You see, when the Republican government passes a $2 trillion bill and then just flat out prints trillions more, oh, that's different. I guess things are changed now. The, tr- the truth is we've lost what it means to be free. The American people should never have accepted a governor or mayor or anyone else saying your business has to close and yours can't. That immediately should have been no, screw you, my business will be open. If you have a problem with it, come down and arrest me. And if the American people had universally done that, they wouldn't have shut down a thing because you can't arrest everybody. But instead, everybody put their heads down and complied. And now you get what you get. Don't throw a fit. Yeah, it's like we had a massive freedom stress test and we failed it as a country. That's really how I, I, I don't like saying that. I think that's what happened. Oh, you're, well, you're right. I mean, we can acknowledge our failures. We're never going to correct them unless we do. We have lost whatever that freedom DNA, that gigantic up yours to government thing that was supposed to be an American thing. We've lost that. Now, we can get it back. We're going to have to fight to get it back one day. But whatever it is, it's gone. I watched this country. And like you pointed out, most of the right, too, wasn't just the left. People on the right now love to do that revisionist history thing and act like this was all Democrats. That's a bunch of crap. Don't let the people on the right who screwed this whole thing up for you get out with that with that cop out. People on the right, too, are just shut up. Don't you care about people? And now they're weirdly quiet now, Buck. Jesse Kelly speaks the truth, my friends. Why you should listen to him, you should watch him. I'm right with Jesse Kelly on The First, which if you have not already, download The First TV app, which you can get for your smart device. I'm also on there, so you got lots of great stuff. We've got fantastic things on The First And also, if you're listening down in KPRC Houston, the show right before this is The Jesse Kelly Show. Jesse, great to have you, man. Thank you. Appreciate you, boss. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. The Red Mirage scenario. We're going to be talking more about this. This is a very important thing. This is something that everybody should be aware of right now. The Red Mirage is this concept the Democrats are advancing. And there's one Democrat group in particular that's that's telling everybody uh, through this this analytics firm that there is a very good chance that President Trump on Election Day may look like he is winning substantially like it's a landslide a huge victory for trump this election this is not some far off future prediction and then because of mail-in voting he may go from being considered the president on election night people might go to bed on november 3rd thinking that donald trump is the president of the united states for four more years and wake up a day, maybe a week later, only to be told, oh, just kidding. We're counting all these mail-in ballots, and what do you know? It's a much closer race than we thought. 
It's now a contested race. It's now a circumstance where we can't tell you that the president, the current president, Donald Trump, really even won. The CEO of this group, Hawkfish, calls the scenario the red mirage. Quote, we are sounding an alarm and saying this is a very real possibility that the data is going to show on election night an incredible victory for Donald Trump. When every legitimate vote is tallied and we get to that final day, which will be someday after Election Day, it will in fact show that what happened on Election Night was exactly that, a mirage. It, did, it looked like Donald Trump was in the lead, and he fundamentally was not when every ballot gets counted. And they even have a graphic that they show of how the country, from November 3rd to, say, November you know, 8th, 9th, 10th, all of a sudden, like the vote count shifts. Here's what they're telling you. Under one of the group's modeling scenarios, remember, modeling with COVID got us into horrible trouble with believing believing we're going to run out of ventilators and believing we're going to run out of PPE and all this stuff. According to this group's modeling, though, which and there's a reason why this all matters, even if they're wrong, this matters a lot. Even if this is all a fantasy from this analytics firm. Let me just give you their numbers, though, first. Trump could hold a projected lead of 408 to 130 electoral votes on election night. This is all according to Axios if only 15% of the vote-by-mail ballots have been counted. Once 75% of mail ballots were counted, perhaps four days later, the lead could flip to Biden's favor. This particular modeling scenario portrays Biden as ultimately winning a massive victory, 334 to 204. The ultimate results may well sit somewhere between these low-end and high-end scenarios, uh, but... They're telling everybody right now that just because you see something on election night doesn't mean that that's actually what has happened. This is so dangerous. This plays in so, so clearly to the narrative that we've been, that, that's really been shoved down our throats now for months, that Trump, if he wins, it's illegitimate. Remember, Hillary Clinton said, I think it was last week or the week before, Hillary Clinton made the claim that Biden shouldn't concede under any circumstances. That's going to be their that's going to be their position, that there should be no conceding the election on election night. Hillary didn't even want to concede when she lost in 2016. You'll remember that she was thinking about trying to contest it. This is this is giving you a heads up right now that Democrats will absolutely will uh, contest the election results. They're not going to give, even if it means they're wrong in the end, they're not going to give Trump voters the peace and the satisfaction of an election night win. They're going to say, we can't know because of the outstanding mail-in ballots. Think of the chaos. Think of the way that this undermines the sense of stability and fairness in the election. Oh, so we can't know who the president is until all the mail-in ballots are counted? And how are we counting those mail-in ballots? How are we to know who's getting them and who's not? How are we to know if there's any fraud involved in this? You know, Democrats don't like to concede, uh, don't like to concede elections the night of. In fact, Sean Davis at The Federalist uh, wrote that Democrats haven't conceded a presidential election on election night since 1988. And they are now laying the groundwork for endless recounts and litigation to prevent a potential Trump win 
from being certified before Inauguration Day. That's, that Sean is completely correct here. That's what's going to happen. They're going to fight this thing. They will deny Trump victory no matter how much he wins by. That's the plan. They will assert that Trump cheated. No matter what. And they'll say that Trump uh, didn't really win until all these votes have been counted. And the reality is that there's no way of really knowing in those in those uh, early hours after the polls open up. And I'm sorry, after the polls close, how many mail-in ballots are really out there to be counted? So now we have the never-ending election, really. This is what, and you have this with Russia collusion in 2016. The reason that the Democrats feel so free to undermine Trump in the extreme ways that they do is because they've never really accepted that he's the president of the United States. The reason that the Democrat Party takes the position they do about this White House, about this president, is that they've never viewed him as legitimate. They've never been willing to accept that the president of the United States actually came through in 2016 and won. And that's very useful for their base, right? They, they get to go to sleep at night thinking that it's all, it's all some bad dream. It didn't really happen. But think about what that does to the country, how that pulls us apart. Imagine what this feels like after the year we've had with COVID and the Democrat riots and the Democrat looting. And then we have an election, and instead of the peaceful transfer of power, or rather the peaceful maintenance of power in this case, when, if Trump wins, what you'll have is another effort by the media, the deep state, the Democrat apparatus to create some grounds for what's effectively a soft coup. Soft coup part two. That's what they're going to try to pull off. This is the insurance policy. Only this time it's not the Russia collusion angle, although they'll probably use that too. It's the what about all the mail-in ballots? They're still coming in. They're still being counted. Oh, where do they come from? When were they postmarked? Who actually signed them? Not going to be able to ask any of those questions. They just want to make sure that Trump doesn't get to have a win and they can fight this out in the courts endlessly. Because even if they don't end up being successful in stopping him from being president, they'll pretend for the next four years he's not really the president. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Liberty, truth, and great hair. those funky beats. It's time for Roll Call. Roll Call, everybody! Let's do it. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com if you would like to email me. That is the way to go. Um, Producer Mark, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm apartment hunting now. You know, rental, because I don't make a lot of money. Uh, I, I'm apartment hunting right now, and it turns out they're not yet giving away free apartments in New York City. It's pretty sad. Wow. You actually have to pay for them now. No, you have to pay for them. You're still, it's probably still the most expensive real estate market in the country, even with the current flight from the city. I think all of the landlords, all the property owners are taking the position, hey, I'm going to wait this out. I'm keeping my price where it is. That works for a time, but eventually the market forces will, if, unless there is some big turnaround in New York, the market forces are going to hit even harder then, right? Because you're going to have had vacancies and more, more flight. I, I think that it's, 
at a time when it, it, they could be making it more appealing to either keep people here or bring people back, there is this decision that's being made. And, and, and remember, sometimes market forces can be delayed. A decision being made, no, we, New York has to be the most expensive city in America to live in. Even if people don't want to live here, we're just going to all try to maintain our prices as high as we can instead of ratcheting them down a little bit. I think that's going to make things even worse here because people are looking at what they can get. I just sent a friend of mine who's up in Vermont what a one bed, the equivalent of what a one bedroom apartment in New York City proper would get you in Vermont right now. It'd be like the, a dream house, Mark. And Vermont might be a little cold for you. You're not a skier. But he's up in Vermont, and I sent him something. Because Vermont's where the most out-of-state uh, moving vans have gone to, according to, you, uh, I think it's U-Haul or one of those services, from New York. Huh. They're all bouncing on NYC to go to Vermont. You ever been up there? I have not, but I, I definitely want to. I, I try skiing. You and the missus would, you and the missus would, would enjoy it. Uh, great food. Obviously a lot of a big hockey heritage. Uh, it's practically Canada. So maple syrup. In the summers, it's, I used to spend summers there. I went to camp in Vermont. I loved it up there. Beautiful. And unfortunately, the politics are not my cup of tea, but their tea is my cup of tea because they've got great, great tea houses and coffee shops and cheese and Ben and Jerry's obviously is up there. Although I think they're look, I'm just I think there's better ice cream. I'm a, I'm a Van Leeuwen guy. I'm even more bougie than Ben and Jerry's. I don't, I'm not right. ashamed to say it. I mean, I kind of get you not liking Ben and Jerry's just because they put stuff in it and a lot of it has gluten. Correct. That's my, but, uh, that's my beef with Ben If you could eat gluten I, and you said that, I would slap you probably. That's probably fair. That's probably fair. Um, you know, because the, the, like uh, some of the different flavors do have the flour in it. But anyway, Snow Princess wants me to get her an ice cream maker for Christmas this year. She mentioned that. And I was like, honey, I'm going to have to get a whole new wardrobe. With this. If she starts making artisan ice cream at oh home and the gyms are still shut down, you're going to have to roll me to and from the mic like actual you know, roll me like a beach ball. Imagine she makes good. you like some half-baked. She makes you some gluten-free cookie dough and gluten-free brownies and puts it in the ice cream. Of course. She's already yeah. doing all these amazing things. I'm getting hungry just, think I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. I'm also glad that, I, that there's so many good frozen food options and then I cook pretty well because at this rate, there's not going to be a lot of uh, takeout. One of the reasons you live in New York City, for those who don't, is that it's the only place I've ever been in the world where you can decide, certainly up to midnight, that you want really any variety of food out there, and I mean pretty much anything, and you can probably get it sent to you. Not even you can go get it. You could probably have it sent to you. Uh, it, it's, it's the biggest food city in that, in that sense in the world, the greatest concentration of restaurants in the world. And because of de Blasio and Cuomo, they're just killing them all off. They're, they're getting rid of all these restaurants. They're, they're all going to be gone. And they think they're just going to reopen. Who's going to want to do that? Producer Mark, if I gave you... You know, let's say to open a, a small actually what what would be what would be the Mark restaurant? You know, what would be your cuisine of specialty? Uh, hmm. Maybe a burger place? I don't know. Burger joint? Let's say I, that. a solid burger look, a solid burger joint never goes out of style, you know. So uh I think I think you go burger joint, you know, it's like having a, a black leather belt or something, right? You're always gonna have a need for this at some point. Burger joints would be would be really solid. But let's say if I gave you, you know, five hundred thousand dollars and I said, you can open up a burger joint in New York City with much higher rents, much higher costs. Or you could go open up a burger joint. Even, hey, even Jersey's allowing indoor dining starting this week. I think it's a you know, I think it's pretty clear where, where, where you have higher risk. I'd go open it in some smaller town 
and be like one of the kind of places you see on diners, drive-ins, and dives. Yeah. Just I, be I really good at something. I get sick of having all the commie towns have such good food. You know, all the little Amherst, where I went to college, very good food. Total communist utopia, or wannabe utopia, dystopia, really. Northampton, Massachusetts. Northampton, Massachusetts punches about five weight classes above what it should with its food scene, and it's it's overrun with complete left-wing lunatics. It's just true of a, a lot of places, I'm going to say that. And I look, i got to get back to North Carolina because I know I've been talking some smack about North Carolina barbecue, but i got to tell you, it was not... It, it, that was the one part of it that I was still not sold on. And I, I expect regional cuisine. I mean, when everyone tells you that New Orleans, for example, has great food, no matter who you are anywhere in the world, if you know anything about food, you go to New Orleans, you say, this town's got great food. <laughs> like, it's not even. You've been there, right? I have not. <gasps> I have to go. That, you and Mrs. Mark, that should be. Oh, very, she's very... been. Don't worry. Oh, she's been. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's just a, you gotta go. It's a great town. It's a great town. It's on All the right, list. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm forgetting that we have, uh, we have a huge number of people all across the country listening. Oh, I didn't tell you, this, producer Mark. I meant to mention this. Two people. I was walking to Lula, and I was with the Snow Princess yesterday on the street, and two people who listened to the show just said, "You're Buck Sexton, right?" And, and then they said something very nice about the show. So that wow. was very nice. Look at they you. You're becoming more and more of a celebrity every day. You know, it was very nice of them. I was I was appreciative. There's always a second where I'm like, uh oh, is this going to be. But I can tell I look at them. I'm like, this is a normal, nice person. They're 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 on my team. You know, when you're looking for your new apartment, maybe you just make sure the doors are really big. So your you head so can, can fit through them. Oh, I thought this was an ice cream maker. Well, I mean, that too. Actually... But I was going with the big head thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a fair that's a fair point. Don't worry. After this, I had to scoop up whatever Tallulah left on the street. So it keeps me humble. It keeps me humble. Dave. Hey, Buck, I'm a semi-retired Air National Guardsman and IT tech with my own business. Love your show. Listen every day. By the way, why does no one mention that Antifa in Portland has been mostly peaceful protesting nearly every weekend since 2016? These people have been around in Portland since the 1970s. They have gained momentum and first came to my attention when they when they assaulted the Patriot Prayer Rally in 2017 whom Antifa falsely labeled as fascist. Shields high. Hey, Dave, thank you so much for listening. Honored to have you as part of Team Buck. I would be fascinated to know how someone, you know, we've learned about how does someone become a member of Al-Qaeda? I mean, I used to study this when I was the CIA. Why does someone join Al-Qaeda? And there's a part of it that's the, they came up with these different progressions They'd call it like the terror recruitment cycle, and they would discuss uh, what spiritual sanctioning, jihadization, uh, radicalization, all these different concepts and how it happens. And and within someone's life cycle, is it a traumatic event? Is it abuse as a child? Is it just pure brainwashing? Like, How does someone decide that they want to go be a part of a movement that lops people's heads off on video and straps suicide bombs to their chest? Right. How, How do you get someone to do that? And we've done a lot of study of that. And there's a lot of that out there. I would be curious to know, and I'm sure there's probably a memoir out there I haven't read yet. How does a, let's call it a, you know, run-of-the-mill, middle-class American decide that they want to be a, they want to spend a large amount of their free time as part of a group that dresses all in black, believes they are fighting literal fascism in America, and wants to 
duke it out with cops on the streets. And, you know, overwhelmingly, the people in Antifa, you can tell, I mean, they're weaklings. A lot of the guys look like they're incels. You know, these are not people. These are not winners. Right. So so that's definitely clear. The people of Antifa are overwhelmingly losers in life. And I don't say that to be mean. I say that to keep it real. I mean, these are not individuals that that are are successful in any field, in any way. You know, one thing about the conservative mentality, the conservative approach to life is I always I talk about the built in humility, but there's also I, I don't believe it's possible to be a, a real conservative and, and to be a part of it ideologically and culturally and not just find respect for excellence in any productive thing. So if somebody is a great uh, carpenter, uh, someone is a great electrician, or just, and when I say great, I don't mean that they're necessarily, their artistry is worthy of a museum, although there's some of that. You know, I, I have my dad's brother, my uncle, makes incredible handcrafted, he's a locksmith who makes artwork out of pieces of wood that he finds, in the. He, and I've got some of his sculptures. If I could hang it, I've got a an incredible eagle that he made from one piece of wood, hand whittled the whole thing. I, I keep it in my, in, it's in my bedroom. Uh, you know, conservatives have respect for that. A lot of these leftist Antifa types, right? So, so we respect excellence in anything and in all things. That's productive. That's worthwhile. Not excellence in being a lunatic who burns down buildings, but you know, we, no matter what your job is, if you're, if you're a maker, if you're a creator, if you're a doer in anything, we, re- we just inherently respect that. And people who take pride in whatever their job is, you know, you're going to be the most professional, most on-time, uh, most reliable, long-haul truck driver in the country. Conservatives respect that. And we, re- we really do. You know, you're going to be obviously, uh, uh, you know, a, a great doctor who chooses to be a GP instead of some hotshot surgeon because you want, you know, that's your chosen field and you go to a rural area, whatever. People make these choices all the time. But excellence in anything that is worthwhile is to be respected if you're a conservative. With these leftists, these Antifa types, you, you get the sense that they want to eradicate the concept of excellence because they've never been able to achieve it in anything. They're not productive, they're not creative, they're not reliable, and they don't want to confront that. And they're young people. They could turn this around. You don't. People in Antifa, they're losers at 25. That doesn't mean you're a loser in life. You could turn that around. You know, you could become a person who is dependable. You could become an alpha male who actually gets stuff done. You could abandon all this. You can start to go to church. You can get married. You can be a good dad. You can be a good employee or start your own business. All these options are there. But for Antifa, for this mindset, for this this left wing insanity that's out there, it's just so much more comforting to believe that all the excellence that's around them in America is stolen from other people. It's all built on oppression. It's all part of a racist hierarchy or, or whatever. I really do believe that Antifa at some level is is an ideology that is just at war with excellence in anything and in all things. That was a little bit of a digression from roll call. We'll come back to more roll call in a second. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right, more roll call here. 
Dear Buck, the Democrats were always crazy. President Trump just made the left reveal themselves rather than Dems hiding behind their veil of normalcy. Uh, I, may, I, I do think that Trump has exposed the left in ways that no other Republican in my adult lifetime has. He's made them show us who they really are. And that's a very that's a very powerful tool. That's a very powerful weapon against them by exposing them for who they are. So I, I, I would agree with that. I think that's one of the president's best qualities. Dave, hey, Buck, listen to the podcast as I do every evening. Thank you so much, Dave. It's very comforting to know you have the administration's ear at such a pivotal moment in this country's history. Thanks, Dave. But it's been a while since the Trumpsters given me a retweet. What's up with that, Trumpster? You know, commander in chief got no time for the buck tweets lately. It makes me makes me sad. I, I miss my Trumpster retweets. It'll happen, though. It'll happen. We're buddies. Dave also writes, don't underestimate the influence you have via your voice. As long as you maintain your humility and speak the truth, along with your listeners, you will have a profound effect on this country. I don't think that's an overstatement. Keep it up. Shields high. Dave, that is very kind of you, man. I, I appreciate the encouragement these days. I got very long days. If it wasn't for producer Mark, I'd probably sometimes fail to even wake up in time to do our show because uh, I'm just constantly writing and thinking and reading and it never stops. The buck never stops. Uh, but thank you so much. And I, I hope that it's look, if it's worthwhile to you, then I'm succeeding. And that's what we try to do every day. We, we really do. Uh, you know, we on the Buck Sexton show here in the Freedom Hut, Mark and I and the team and producer Nick and everybody, we try to make sure that this thing that we're doing is the best usage of your time we can possibly make it because we're so honored that you'll even spend the time with us. I mean, I honestly, yesterday with two people come up me in the street, I'm always a little bit, I'm kind of amazed that they like, that, that strangers just like the show as much as they do. And it encourages me. It's really nice. Uh, Dave. Oh, no, we just did it. Dave, thank you so much for writing in. Wade, Buck, love your show. Listen to the podcast every night. All right, another one. Hunt for Red October is not the best submarine movie. Whoa, Wade, party foul. Das Boot, original German with subtitles, is the best submarine movie. I was in the Navy and served on a submarine, and Das Boot is the closest thing to what it is really like. Well, Wade, you know a heck of a lot more about submarines than I do, so I will check it out. I haven't seen that, so I can't, I can't weigh in yet, but I'll check it out. And I'm producer Mark Snow Princess last night. I had to write something. I had to write 2,000 words for uh, American Consequences magazine, which people should check out. But uh, Snow Princess wanted to watch Mighty Ducks. On producer Mark's recommendation, so we're going to do it. I'm very excited for that. It's about yeah. time. Yeah, it needs to happen. Uh, anyway, wait. Thank you for the wreck, and I'll check out Das Boot probably without the Snow Princess. I don't think that sounds like something she would like. Mike, why is all of America under siege by Democrat politicians? Isn't there any requirement for an elected official to protect every citizen's life and property under their purview, and not to bend only to those that elected them? If not, then is this not a co? Is this not a cohesive society, but a set of radically divided interests. I'm sincerely interested in how we get this place back to what was a constitutional republic, which it was designed to do and treat all citizens equally. Mike, you raise a great question, one for which we need to continue to ask the answers. But uh, I, I do not have I can't tell you that I got a clear and ready answer on that one. I don't know. Democrat politicians have lost their minds. Folks, that's it for today. I'm in tomorrow out Thursday, Friday. Please, please pass the buck. Huge favor. Early birthday and Christmas present for me and producer Mark. I don't even know when his birthday is, but I'm just going to say that. So when is your birthday? April. Fair enough. 
So for me and Mark, early birthday present, get someone to listen to the Buck Sexton Show, Spotify, iTunes, you name it, Shields High.